Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dr. Caxton's podcast, Timeless Truths in Medicine and Marriage. And uh, Dr. Caxton, how are you? And uh, we're going to finish up uh, our series on COVID now, aren't we? Yes, I think it's time. I believe that we've got such a broad perspective and a depth to it over the last several weeks. You and I have done this, Neil, and plus other people have been putting out a lot of information out there, too. And really today, I'm saying, look, we have enough information and we have enough of people who have learned this information. We have a lot of doctors who are coming to terms with the reality that they didn't know things that were critical to their knowledge base and their practice of COVID medicine, if we can call it that. And today that seems to be changing. So... You know, uh, Neil, when we looked at January last year, it looks like there was nobody who knew anything. By February, it still looked that way, but we began to look for information really tightly, searching, and we found a lot of information. Unfortunately, even though we, I was searching, and a lot of people were also searching, the CDC, who has paid researchers, who are supposed to search for all that information with the NIH and put that information out there for us, refused to do that. And because of that, I still maintain that a lot of the 400,000 plus deaths that happened in the United States did so simply because they did not want doctors to have firsthand information. And that firsthand information was simply that, number one, this is how the disease affects the human body. This is how the disease leads to death. And these are the mechanisms of death causation, which we said was cytokines. And knowing that cytokines played a major role in how uh, COVID-19 killed people, then cytokine blockers then becomes an important treatment strategy. Now, there was some confusion where people were using cure, cure, cure. They attacked people saying cure. Well, you don't even cure high blood pressure. As simple and as common as high blood pressure is, you rarely cure high cholesterol either. So. I think that was just a big distraction so that people still remain confused. And people, trust me, throughout most of 2020 were confused about COVID, including doctors. And one of the confusing aspects, as you saw, was hydroxychloroquine. And we came to the point where I explained hydroxychloroquine. And they see, you see that it's not just that hydroxychloroquine is useful. It's useful at a particular stage with Zithromax and with zinc. And we, you know, we move forward. And we, as you move forward through the year, I'm going through the uh, months, and you, we saw that, well, in July, which was the seventh month of the year, a perfect month, uh, Dr. Fauci finally announced that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. And he based that on nothing other than sham studies, um, some of which the NIH themselves uh, sponsored, which as you saw in the book, The HCQ Debate, when I broke everything down, no one. Uh, I have a, uh, a neurosurgeon that recently read that book. He said, you know, I have a lot of questions for you. And each time I think of writing down that question, when I get to the next paragraph, that question is answered. So it, for him, it was a phenomenal book. He's a very well-read uh, gentleman. He actually taught me how to play golf. So the point there is we have information, whether from Dr. Kaxtinug, Dr. Anderson, the other gentleman that you guys interviewed on Dr. Uh, Wayne Anderson's podcast, Mac, 
somewhere uh, yes. who was talking about IGA. You've got phenomenal people with other small areas of niche expertise or broad perspective, like me as an internist, myself. So we have information, but I think the paucity of that knowledge being spread was the limitation set by mainstream media and social media sources. I want to classify them together as media for now and say the two major sources of information medically or clinically that will have helped doctors stampede this death spike in rates in the US for COVID-19 will have been through medical journalism. And so medical journalism now splits into mainstream media medical journalism, <laughs> including social media medical journalism, as well as the actual medical journals published by um, those who are doing clinical trials. And they did a total disservice to the US. Uh, for whatever the reasons are, there was a total disservice and we can see in the number of deaths we have in the United States today. And for me, that was a no-no. All because we didn't know, I could see that there was an attack and there was obviously an attack on hydroxychloroquine for its usefulness. But what we didn't know that there, the government itself will be involved in the distracting of doctors away from exactly what to do. I never saw this in the history of medicine. You know, for example, when they did that emergency use authorization, which was to allow us to prescribe hydroxychloroquine, right, they said right. only use it. Remember when they said only use it in hospitalized patients. And when you read, when you understand how this disease works, when you understand how hydroxychloroquine works, you will know that no way. You cannot even bother using it in hospitalized patients. It's pretty much useless by then. Maybe a few will still be at the early, not the late stages who are hospitalized and you might get some response there. But at the late stages of the illness, when the patients are almost going on ventilators and stuff like that, or hospitalized for serious hypoxia, low oxygen, it's of no use. Meanwhile, the EUA was designed for you to give it only at the latter end when it's useless. So I think that's another key point. The other point was the attacks by the media on people who suggested or recommended or even analyzed the data and said, from what I've analyzed here, just like I analyzed hydroxychloroquine research studies in my book, they were attacked all through. This was medic journalist, journalistic terrorism. And we didn't know why, but if you think back, why would Fauci never say anything good about hydroxychloroquine? And then why would he one yeah, day- because, up because there's a, some sort of agenda. You know that, and we just couldn't figure that out. And I want people to think, because you've got to think. That's all you simply do have, you know, your ability to think. And so even if we didn't know anything else about vaccines, there had to be something wrong with the approach, because some people were saying, Dr. Perry, what is wrong with you guys in America? In Libya there, they're prescribing it. In Jordan. You know, even America's terrorist enemies, they're using hydroxychloroquine and they're getting results. What's wrong with you? You know, and I say, I don't know, but I'm prescribing hydroxychloroquine for people that need it and will benefit from it and they're getting better. So now that we now have a vaccine, I think everybody 
in their right minds should be able to open up their eyes and say, what? You mean that there's actually a book that shows the clinical trials in great details, that is, hydroxychloroquine does work, they just twisted the numbers or wrote things the wrong way so it would look like it doesn't work. And in some instances, as you see in the book, they were given poisonous lethal doses of hydroxychloroquine, all because it was part of a plan. You cannot tell me that's not part of a plan. And that plan was to sell vaccines. So let's go over the vaccines because we're summarizing today. Okay, sure. Yes. So the vaccine, Moderna um, and Pfizer came up with their vaccines. And frankly, I have never seen <laughs> this kind of nonsense in my entire life. But here, before I say that, one of the things I told my wife when I looked at the studies in December, New England Journal, the actual published studies for um, both vaccines, they are mRNA vaccines. Some people have some questions. I think I haven't answered a lot of the questions except one-on-one. -on -one. And one of the questions is, which is critical is, will the mRNA change my DNA? Um, here's the thing, mRNA, is a reverse process. You cannot go back into the nucleus where the DNA is hiding. But, you know, the damage that can be done by the mRNA vaccines, we've not yet fully understood the extent of the damage. So ordinarily, no one will put this kind of vaccine on the table and say, use it. Ordinarily. But there are some other reasons which I'm not gonna go into details, but it will unfold as to the reality of why they did this. So let's look at the uh, Pfizer vaccine, where they used 43,448 people, split them up into two. One got a vaccine, the other got placebo. So, right. you know, and, and in that group, first of all, let's just say this, the mRNA vaccine does not directly affect your DNA. But let's just picture this. If your DNA is used to help you create a protein that helps keep your nerves intact, for example, in the mRNA's S protein is produced in more than sufficient quantity that it might even affect the signals that are supposed to come from the DNA and the protein synthesis that results after DNA is activated. Because that's the bottom line, DNA and result protein synthesis. If the mRNA that comes from the mRNA vaccine is using the same, uh, same platform to make the spike protein for the virus, whereas your own body needs that same platform to make proteins to make your nerves okay, guess what? You don't make the proteins for your nerves to be okay. You may develop Bell's palsy, for example. Um, you know, and we've seen instances of a doctor that died suddenly and 23 people, I think in Norway, that died suddenly. So we have no idea. And I know this drug companies always lie about their drug side effects. They always lie. Um, so they magnify their, uh, advantages or the benefits. They minimize the, uh, the disadvantages or side effects or adverse effects or dangerous adverse severe adverse effects and what does that mean they will call their um minor benefits they will use relative risk uh so neil let me use an illustration there so if yeah. 
you know, we, we went to a casino, uh, right? And you spend $10 out of a thousand. That means you lost 1%. Yeah. So I go to another casino. Um, I spend $15. Um, no big deal. Out of a thousand dollars that we both had in our pockets, it's still a small amount. 1.5%, yours is 1%. So the difference is 0.5%, right? But, you know, from $10 to $15 out of a thousand in each man's pocket, that's 0.5% difference. So the real absolute difference between what you spend and what I spend was 0.5%, right? So, but, but, but what, what the drug companies are going to do is they're going to say, well, it's not exactly 0.5% because people won't buy our drugs. We got to make it look like 50%. And of course, they'll say, Caxton spend 50% more than Neil instead of 0.5% more than Neil, you see? So 0.5% yes. versus 50% is a hundred times difference. That's the level of exaggeration, a hundred times over. That's the level of exaggeration that we get. And once they do that, and the law doesn't say they should not do that, okay? Because they bought most of the lawmakers and the lobbyists are theirs. So coming back to uh, Pfizer's, let's start with Pfizer because they published on December 10th. Um, we're in the end of this. So look at it this way. On, um, you know, they had 21,720 people and they looked at people who developed COVID, right? And those who had severe exactly. COVID. So out of the 21,720 people that developed COVID, I mean, I'm sorry, that got the vaccine, um, only eight people with the vaccine got COVID. That's, right? yeah, and, so you, and you've been telling us this before, that this is really not going to end the pandemic. No, I said. So that, if you take the number, and this is one of the reasons why before you start a clinical trial, they set rules, right? So that you don't just come out somewhere along the way and say, oh, my drug is superior to your drug. Before you even do the clinical trial, you sit down with an IRB and a bunch of other people and say, okay, what do you define as superiority? We already know there's something called bias. You have a drug, you spend a lot of money on it, hundreds of millions of millions. So you wanna make sure that your drug is superior to my little drug or placebo, right? So you're biased, no matter what you say. So at the beginning, uh, we have to set rules and say, okay, since it's your drug, what do you consider to be effectiveness or efficacy or superiority? Well, if, the people in my group, if more than 95%, right, can be better, okay. and then less than 95% in your group is better, then mine is superior to yours. So we use a 95% cutoff point, right? That's important in what I'm trying to explain because it's going to nail everything for us. People will have a very clear picture here. So now with Pfizer, we have 21,720. And out of those vaccinated group of 21,720, Eight developed COVID. Ooh, that's very small amount. Now, if you look at the other side, 21,728 in the placebo group, 162 developed COVID. So when you look at the difference in eight and 162, that's 20 times more people in the placebo group developed COVID. Okay? But that's not how you no, do statistics. Yeah. No, not at all. You got to say, okay, it's 162. It's just like your $10 and my $15, okay? But what percentage of those people in my group, the placebo group, really developed 
the infection, 0.75%. So if you're using a cutoff point of 95%, that means I have 99.25% of the people in the placebo group who did not get COVID. 99.25% of the people in the placebo group who did not get COVID. So it doesn't matter what happens in the vaccine group. In the placebo group where they did not get the vaccine, it was 99.25, which is really, really awesome. That takes me to the next point, okay? Out of this, 10 people exactly. developed severe COVID, one person in the uh, vaccine group, and nine people in the placebo group. Again, if you think of the number of people that developed severe COVID in the placebo group, it's 0.041%. So that means in the placebo group that didn't get the vaccine, 99.959% did not get severe COVID. 99.25% did not develop COVID. So that's Pfizer. So when we look at Pfizer, we can say, well, placebo is just as good. And when you come to Moderna's mRNA vaccine, the 1237, it's basically the same thing, same kind of thing. Only thing is, you know, with the NIH, they said there was only 11 COVID patients out of 15,210. So that was, again, 0.07%. So in the uh, placebo group for the 15,210 that got the placebo, 185 developed COVID in the Moderna vaccine group. I mean, in the placebo group of that Moderna study. So 1.22% developed COVID in the Moderna uh, group. But you remember that the uh, Pfizer used a little more than the, uh, the Moderna group. So nobody knows in statistics, as you increase the numbers, that number may actually diminish. In other words, it's 1.22%. Yeah. So basically what you're telling us, and I think you brought this up a little bit in our broadcast last time, yeah. is that this percentage means that there's real no truth that this vaccine works at all. Uh-uh. And then we have to add a, a little icing to that cake, that which is they tell us that you know you must continue to wear a mask, which is okay. Look, we we have to do everything we can, right, to protect ourselves to eradicate this virus. So yes, tell us to wear a mask. Okay, fine. So we'll wear a mask. Okay, I'm not anti-mask, and I'm not anti-vax. And I'm anti-lies, anti-deception, anti-killing people for whatever agenda, whether it's eugenics or whatever it is, people have figured out in their heads they will get rid of people on this planet. I have no idea, but it seems to me looking that way to me when you add it all up. So we have death without the vaccine is one out of 15,210. Only one person died in the uh, placebo group. Nobody died in the uh, vaccine group for Moderna. And um, so, Neil, when we come to this point, one of the things I need to now share with people is how do vaccines work? See, once someone gives you a, vac a, a virus, you know, your body is exposed to the bacteria or virus, particularly viruses. Let's use the virus. It enters into your body. Once it enters into your body, there are cells in your body, B cell lymphocytes and T cells, so the cells, the innate immunity you have 
they have they've been pre-programmed to recognize some things. So once they recognize the virus or the bacteria or the microbe, they send signals to one another and they go into the lymph nodes. They start creating antibodies. They start recognizing the need to reorganize so they can have specific antibodies. So the next time you have an infection with the same virus or bacteria, there's an alert system. So you have more antibodies showing up to fight, okay? So that's the simple of it. That's uh, the simplest way I can describe it for non-scientific people. So yeah. what, what happens is, so when you uh, now expose a person who has gotten the vaccine, the vaccine we have to look at is a live vaccine, meaning a virus, right? That's still alive, right? But has been diminished in its, uh, uh, you know, potential to cause sickness a little bit. So when you give that virus to a person who is going to develop immunity, life attenuated virus, for example, then they are going to develop a really great antibody response. It's going to be the first, and then the second one will be bigger. Okay. Now, these vaccines have different responses and different strengths to the antibodies that the body will produce. For example, if you take a particular virus, we'll say virus A, if you take virus A and just try to tweak it a little bit so it's not as dangerous, but it's still a live virus, it will create an arbitrary number of, let's say, 10x in terms of antibody production and it will last longer, maybe 10 years, 10, 25 years. So now if instead of using live virus, you kill the virus, right? Then when you exactly. kill that virus, you are going to get a lesser response. So you might get seven X. And that duration of the protection from that vaccine, from that virus that you created and turned into vaccine, maybe instead of 25 years, maybe let's say nine years. So you've moved from a live virus to a killed virus. So now if you take a portion of the killed virus instead of the entire virus, you are now going to have lesser intensity and lesser duration. So you're now on level three, from the live virus to the killed virus to a portion of the killed virus, okay? So you're gonna, let's say we started with 10X and 25 years, you know, and then we move to um, six X and nine years. So now with the only a portion of the killed virus, we may be at two X, meaning two years and um, maybe four X or three X in terms of intensity of the antibodies that are produced and the concentration of antibodies. So if you now move from the fraction or a portion of the killed virus to an mRNA, which is right. the genetic code for the virus. Remember the genetic code is not even for the entire virus. So if you, you're now at level four, if you take an mRNA to code for the entire virus, it's gonna be lesser immune response. So if you now go from an mRNA for coding for the entire virus to an mRNA that codes for only a fraction or a portion of the virus, you're now at level five. 
So the immune response that you're going to get from using that mRNA is going to be far less than you would if you had used a live virus. And when you think about the actual numbers that I described with the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine, it makes perfect sense exactly. that there's not much difference between the two groups. So that's where I'm going to end today that, you know, yes, people can get the shot, they need it, and they know they need it, but what they're getting is not what they think they're getting. They're not getting what they should be getting uh, from the vaccine. So that's why exactly. we, we, we have to uh, be very careful how we follow information because you'll see doctors who say, well, I got the vaccine, it's pretty safe. There's no safety measure at this stage. You cannot say it's safe. And I warned in one of my videos, as a doctor, please don't tell anybody the vaccine is safe. If you do and something goes wrong, they may come and sue you. But there's something called a PrEP, which is a protective um, contract that the pharmaceutical companies have so that they cannot be sued. You may be able to get some compensation, but the drug companies cannot be sued for any damage that occurs to you as a result of getting any of these vaccines should be clear to everyone. Because some people think, hey, it's Pfizer, they got a lot of money, I can sue them. No, you're not going to be able to win if you sued. So um, on that note, we want to say, look, I thank everyone for their listening ears. This has been an important and strategic time. And I think doctors at this point today should have learned their lesson. And the lesson number one is, you cannot rely only on mainstream media to feed you the news about what's going on. Besides death tolls, which they're pretty good at, as you know, Neil, right? Yeah. Um, anything negative and death tolls, they're not going to tell you much about what's going on. If you want to know, I've written three books. I will have written this fourth book, and I may still write it, which is a summary of what doctors need to know um, and a multiple choice question primer on COVID medicine. I might do that if I feel inclined and I feel that's my best way to put closure for me personally on COVID. But I think this will be my closure part of it. Most people at this point, if they didn't know there was information, are now learning. They need to get other sources of information. And I'm going to leave uh, the audience with this. Number one, make sure your doctor knows what he needs to know. Okay? If that means you buying him a book, even if it doesn't save your life, he may save your family member's life. And so we should do everything we can to support our docs and help them get knowledge because some of the time the really good doctors are out there putting information out and that information is being blocked, removed to make sure that they control not just the narrative, but what happens to people's lives and their health. So as a doctor, you can no longer rely on mainstream media, not even the medical journals, because a lot of the medical journals I shared, they carried information that was basically untrue in those journals and some of them had to be withdrawn last year and it was a uh, was a complete disgrace so i'll say this find more sources of information listen to people and don't always trust randomized control trials particularly if they're biased against something and as we now know the reason that the they didn't want hydroxychloroquine on the stage is because they had a vaccine that was coming um you know, and they felt that the vaccine will be it. It will be the uh, super bullet, but it's not. It's not even close to being a bullet or silver bullet for anything at this point from what we now know. 
So please, hydroxychloroquine works, and I hear ivermectin works. I've used ivermectin. Frankly, I prefer to use hydroxychloroquine. And, you know, I get sometimes where I feel, hey, maybe, because I'm in the COVID unit, I just left the COVID unit for six weeks I was there, uh, Neil. So uh, what are the chances that I was exposed and I might have something? I'm 57 going on 58. I'm not exactly a 20-something-year-old. So I take hydroxychloroquine. And, you know, someone says, what happens when you feel like you're sick? Well, it doesn't matter whether I feel I'm sick. I'm sick. I could go get tested. The test is only 70% sensitive. It might not be sensitive, but I don't carry a false sense of security around me. When I'm in the COVID unit, I intubate patients and do all that stuff. I know I'm at risk. So I do what's needed for me to protect myself and protect my family. You know, I take hydroxychloroquine. So I haven't been sick. And when I have what looks like this strange flu-like things, I do one thing. I take hydroxychloroquine as I recommended in my book. You know, I take it with zinc, vitamin C and all that stuff. And I do one more thing. I use steam. I put some Vicks Vaporub in it, take deep inhalations, cough out a lot of thick phlegm-like stuff. And I've seen that. And that tells me, ooh, maybe this is what's suffocating people. I cough it up, I spit it out. And that's the, <laughs> if I was going to leave anybody with anything, yeah. cough it up, spit it out. Okay. Cough it. Have one. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. That was, again, uh, a great show and take care. Thank you. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensex Enterprise-level video management software, Perspective EMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show. I'm excited to welcome the program, Mike Velarde. Mike, I know today's more just radio, no TV today, but tell me, man, uh, it did nothing happen Wednesday. I, I uh, shocking, um, shocking. I mean, how, how in the United States of America can you allow such blatant election fraud in five states? I mean, this was definitely a planned event. Pennsylvania, 600,000 more mail-in ballots came in that were mailed out. That's blatant. Georgia, we had the video of the woman putting through 20, 18,000 ballots. Trump only lost by 11,000. I mean, 
there alone. We've got one issue and, and Trump is, you know, Trump wins that state. He wins Pennsylvania. He wins Georgia. I mean, he wins Wisconsin. I, I, I mean, it's it's absolutely mind blowing what's happening to this country. So where do we go next? I mean, if if somehow, some way you can't turn the country away from this because of new things are coming out every day, right? Of what President Biden is doing, right? Yeah, right. right. I mean, I mean, he's he's he's, he's letting the the, uh, the Muslims in. I'm going to have next week, if it's okay with you, I'm going to I'm going to have uh, Kamal Salim, who planned the Islamic takeover of America, on my show, on my radio show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it in the afternoon, like four. That'll be great. We could start putting yeah. this on. But that's well, crazy, man. It's crazy. So, so, and we we just eliminated thousands of jobs on the on, on the on the pipeline, Keystone Pipeline. Um, Gas is going up like crazy already. I mean, we've already gone up uh, 10% since he was elected. And I would expect 3 to $4 gas. You'll have gas over $3 before year's over. And you see the stimulus he's asking for, right? He Or he's asking for, I mean, Congress to to raise taxes on corporate. What's that mean? Yeah, that, that means they're going to go back to Ireland and other tax havens, and we'll see zero. This is the problem all the liberal states run into, whether it be California, New York. They tax their people to death until the people leave. And then when they leave, they get nothing. Right. And that's what's going to happen here. The corporations will go over to Ireland and pay 11% or 10%. Well, that's that's 10% of billions of dollars. And we're getting 0% of those billions of dollars because we decided to get greedy. And up the tax rates from twenty one percent to thirty percent, or whatever he's going to do. It's absolutely crazy. So, what does that means that they could get a better tax rate overseas? Then, well, here's here's what the real issue is going to be. We're we're now going to be beholden to China. I mean, the Chinese are dancing in the streets. I mean, this is great. They're going to get more jobs. We're going to get less jobs. There's no tariffs. We put a hurting on China under Trump, and. Now they're going to own America. They're going to they're going to make America great, right? <laughs> no. They're going to make America China. I mean, we're going to be done. Okay, so what about the virus? Now, but we were going to jump into much many different things as in in this conversation. But what about the virus? Now, you know, now that we're we're, we're going to mask mandation in certain part in certain places right now. Right. But how long till the president sees that uh, things aren't working? The vaccine's not working. Really, uh, people are not getting vaccinated, and really, the virus is not disappearing because unless and just unless this was all a ploy and that it's all going to disappear in two months. Well, they won't control the vaccine. The va- Listen, the vaccinations are killing people. <clears throat> um, somebody told me Hank Aaron died from the vaccine. I haven't confirmed it. But really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He got the second shot from Pfizer and it killed him. So if, if that's the case, right? I mean, there's you got you got a virus, you got you got a virus, right? That is ninety nine point four percent curable. In other words, you get cured from it, everybody's good, no issues. 
So now you got a vaccine. I mean, I don't know. I look at it. I would never take that vaccine. Why not just take the risk? The odds are in better. I mean, you know, 0.4% chance of dying or something, 0.6%, whatever it is. Right. I mean, I, I have cousins that have had it. I've had, and they were 80 years old and got over it. Trump had it. He was in his 70s. Three days later, he's fine. This is about hype and control and nothing more. That's what it's about. Right. And, and that's so true, Mike. It's it's about that. And so, I mean, I just, I just don't know, man. I just don't know right now. I mean, so, I mean, I mean, it, it fits into end time prophecy. You got all these sheep following orders. They, you know, population control. There's plenty of videos about Bill Gates out there. There's plenty of stuff about how this virus was planned two years ago before it ever happened. So, okay. So, but do you think it's going to disappear? Or it's just going to stay around? No, I think it'll, it'll, it'll disappear once it served its purpose. I mean, I mean, I think America's in for a depression because when you have all Democrats in control, that means more regulation, right, higher exactly. taxes. We're all going to have less money starting with, with what you're going to pay for gas. Instead of paying $20 to fill up your tank, you're going to pay 30 That's a 50% increase. And that'll be every week, every week, every week, every week. Yeah, and until it's forever and ever and ever and ever again. Right. I mean, see, but I think, Mike, then it's just more like will be Europe, more like the, certain things, uh, uh, certain things, the policies of America as free could disappear. But like, so the virus, if it was that reason and we see the virus disappear and no one talks about it and third quarter, we're back to business, we're back traveling, we're back to everything. What are you going to say about that? Well, even if we go back, we're still going to go back with higher taxes. I mean, Biden has vowed to repeal the Trump tax cut. Well, that means everybody's taxes is going up. doesn't matter who you are because the rates were lowered across the board. In other words, the 12% tax rate was lowered to 10. So we're all going to be paying all well, 2 to 5 10% more in taxes, federal taxes, gas taxes. Everybody's going to be poorer under Joe Biden. And that, it, he told us when he was running. Now, here's the real shame of it. It was just a small group of people that decided to put him in office. The people that planned the election fraud in six states that we should hold responsible. This was really a coup. That's what it was. This was exactly to overthrow an existing government. And we allowed it to happen. Our, our, our law enforcement agencies didn't get involved. The, the courts didn't want to handle it. Nobody wanted to come up against the Democratic Party. And they knew that. So that leaves what Unless the military would have stepped up, and even now, I don't know if they could, because Biden is the te- the, the commander in chief. Yeah, so and also do? the problem is we're not going to be as safe either. Under the oh, no, we're definitely not going to be safe. The military budget's going to get cut. It's we're going to be in for a long four years, and unless unless they decide that you know they they have the evidence that he sold out to China, they have the bank receipts 
They have the money going to Hunter. They have this seven. Yeah, do you think it's going to be good if he got let go? If Biden left, that wouldn't be great. No, I, I think what would happen would be he'd have to be indicted and arrested, and Trump would have to be reinstalled the president because he's he's really the duly elected president. Biden wasn't elected by the people. You're telling me there's still a chance Trump could come back. Mike, you still think there's a chance Trump could come back? He was by the people. And 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 he signed that executive order. Because the Democrats are in office, they don't talk about it, right? All they did talk about was Russia, Russia, right? But now that now that she's on the other foot, they don't say anything. Real interference from China. Exactly. millions of dollars from China for what? Because he's done. Because they know Joe Biden's going to do whatever China wants. Policy compared to Trump, it's a joke. All right, so that's that. So, so basically, what are you saying? What is Trump's Trump's team doing behind the scenes right now, Mike? I don't know because once you're out of power, what can you do? He no longer controls the military. Do you think they're going to go with the impeachment still, Mike? That would be foolish. I mean, there's so much evidence to show that this that was a pre-planned event. Trump had nothing to do with it. It makes them look petty. It makes them look foolish. Biden, on one hand, is talking about unity, and then he's talking about trying to impeach Trump in the, in the Senate. What a joke. After he's out of office. So even if they were to impeach him, what does that mean? It means nothing. It means what? He can't run again? Because that's what they're afraid of? But if Joe Biden really won, he was really popular. They wouldn't be afraid of Donald Trump. Exactly. They wouldn't be. No. I mean, did you see the inauguration? How many people showed up? Did you count them on two hands? I mean, probably. I mean, there's no there's no enthusiasm for Joe Biden. It just, seems like, it just seems like everything just went back to normal. You know what I mean? Not normal, but you meaning people aren't even thinking about like it's every day. If you watch CNN now, there's nothing to gripe about. Everything is just, uh, we're just trying that Biden's going to do this uh, unbelievable 100 days that's going to, that he's going to win and everything's going to be back to normal. He's going to so screw things up that even the most simplest of people will be able to go to, when they go into the gas station, go, how come gas is 350 now? Oh, the climate accord. He's going to spend a trillion and a half dollars entering Paris. Like, all they're going to do is drain this country of resources, make everybody poor. Biden's mantra should be put America last. <laughs> so, but I mean, but as you said, if it was Harris, it would be a lot worse. Yeah, but, but, but he, he, I mean, these two, yeah, she's, she's, well, it's hard to say she's more incompetent than him. I can't say that because, because he's pretty incompetent. But, but, but she's a communist virtually. So we're going we're gonna to have a country that 
will not look anything like the United States. People are going to be looking to leave it. Anybody with money is going to look to leave for another country. Give up their citizenship. Say, I'm not, I'm not, going, to be, I'm not going to be an American. I'll go visit America if I want. Because America is not going to be America. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and what the real tragedy is, we never lost the election. And because we never lost the election, it means we can never win another election. Because unless unless you, you prosecute and go after everybody that was involved from those states in Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, you're going to have the same problem continually. There's no there's no there's no penalty, no penalty for lying and cheating. No they penalty. They got away no. with it. Crazy, crazy, Mike. Every, okay, every, yeah. So we go from there. Let's talk. Uh, what else? I mean, what can we do as people to try to see if the Republican Party or conservatives as we know it can survive this four years? Well, what we have to do is in the state houses where the election fraud occurred, they have to start passing laws with stiff penalties because there's a, the, the Republicans do control those legislators. So you can't have another situation in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where they manufacture 600,000 ballots. You got to get rid of this, you know, the, the, this, this mail-in ballot crap, because all it is is, is, is fraud. Exactly. Or, we, or, or otherwise the Republicans might start doing it. Pick a Republican city. All right, we're going to do the same thing the Democrats do. Let's see how many they get, and we'll do 10 more. There's not going to be a consequence. Well, you, you know, we won 13 seats in the House. A lot of those seats were in California. You know why? Because of the, the prices. No, because of the ballot harvesting. So huh? two years ago when the Democrats passed, you were able to ballot harvest. The, the, the Republicans were taken totally off guard. Now this year they did. They didn't win the election. Because no one's going to vote for higher taxes and less control of your life. You're voting for higher taxes, right? Less freedom. You really want less freedom? That's what you want? You want to pay more taxes, be less free, and we're going to give you some stupid reason. Oh, yeah, we're, we're taking care of Mother Earth. Climate control. It's a bunch of crap. Where do you think all those taxes are going? They're going into the pockets of all the Democrats that passed the climate control laws. Right. And they're laughing all the way to the bank. If gas is $2 or it's $4 and you got to go to Tampa, you go to Tampa. It's just going to cost you more to do it. Exactly. So how you stay in the environment? So true, Mike. So, okay. So, uh, I guess this is pretty much all we're going to talk about for the disappointment for many people in the country, uh, especially you and the Dem the Republicans and the conservatives based on Biden winning. Uh, anything else new to report? Uh, yeah. wise, business wise. Yeah, well, the business, thank God, is picking up. It's going better. Uh, winning tax solutions. If you have an IRS problem, I'm the guy to call. We could definitely help you. Um, winning tax solutions, you know, .com. Um, but here's, here's the real elephant in the room. 
uh, Biden's first day in office, he announced that he was now going to lift the ban of people coming over from Islamic countries. Um, my friend Kamal, who was the number three guy in the PLO, who came over here in 1985 to plan the Islamic takeover of America, will be on our show next week. God willing, I'm going to, you know, call him, make sure we can have it. And he's going to explain what's now going to happen to the United States. What they do, how they do it, you, so you, you, you've already gotten a small picture of it in Minnesota, where President Obama flooded the state with refugees, Rush, uh, Islamic refugees, and now we have them in our Congress. They're congresswomen. They also starting control the, the, the government of that state and getting Sharia law into our school systems. To getting getting our 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 children to learn Islam, but not in a way that's really truthful. But you know they they kind of sugarcoat it. You know what I mean? Kind of like uh, yes. selling the Democratic Party. You know what I mean? Oh, we're we're here to help you. We're going to help you. Out. We're going to help this. When, when in fact they're going to destroy you. So that's going to be an eye-opening program for a lot of people, um, because it's now going to become a reality. And you'll start to see more terrorism throughout the country over the next few months as we go forward, as people start to come over and they begin to take root. And, and truly, it's a sad day for America because we lost our freedoms. We allowed a small group of people to take away the freedoms of many for their own greed and power. Because that's what the Democrats want. They, they're about money and power. And when you mess with their money or their power, man, they just come at you any way possible. They don't care. They don't care. There's no moral. They have no moral compass. None. There, there isn't one. It's all about winning, destroying your opinion, keeping power, keeping money. I mean, I, I, I took a look at the Federal Election Committee, Neil, and saw what Pelosi brought in. Now, you know I ran for Congress. She was in a safe seat, and... She, you know, there was no way Pelosi was going to lose that election in San Francisco to a Republican. Not going to happen. She raised $26 million. $26 million. Adam Schiff, another California congressman who, you know, I have some issues with about his uh, ability to tell the truth. He raised $19 million. $19 million for a safe seat. Crazy. All right. So winningtaxsolutions.com, mikevillardybooks.com, all those places, right? Yeah, and the time of is coming, the final chapter, that's the book you can get on Amazon too. And next week we're going to have a, we'll have a, we'll, the show will be a bit longer next week because we're going to have a guest. Yeah, and then we but can it'll be an exciting show. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Well, I appreciate you coming by, Mike. We'll talk soon. All right, Neil, thank you. All right, that was the Mike Villardi Show. Take care, everybody. Celebrity slots. 
free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download celebrity slots today. We're back to the Neil Haley show. And again, it's an Andrew Shacken segment and it's about marks. Okay, this is what I have. First of all, Mark's got a bad name in the United States. Actually, Neil, during, for many years, from the beginning of the century, 1900s through the 30s and 40s, a lot of people were communists. Like on college campuses, intellectuals, writers, weren't they? Yes. Um, and so a lot of people were communists. Yes. And it was quite, quite, a, quite a popular movement, wasn't it? Exactly. So, but with Joe McCarthy, when Joe McCarthy came into the factor, communism became a bad word, correct? Yes. And that, that changed the situation. So the question is why so many intellectuals, very smart people, writers, thinkers, students, professors were Marxists. And I say this, first of all, one thing, I think Marxism was, I think communism was a fairly good idea. Let me put it that way. I thought it was a fairly good idea. And I'll tell you why I think it was a good idea. Uh, in, in the United States today, I think realistically, you disagree with me, but it, it is hard for many, some people to get work, correct? Yes. And I say this, Marx sought a solution of this by trying to equalize, right? He, yes. tried, to, he tried to eliminate classes. I personally, I think the elimination of class differences and equalization of wealth, if possible, is a good thing. Yes, I agree. I, I think it's good. And so I don't think, I think communism as, and socialism have their points. Do you think they work? Uh, in, in my opinion, uh, communism would work in a society that was fair. In today's world, do you believe that communism is a viable solution? No. Do you think capitalism, with all its faults, is the best? Yes. I agree with you, actually. But all I'm saying is that as an idea, uh, the uh, Marx addressed in the 19th century the abuses of the working class, 15-hour days, uh, child labor, that kind of thing. And uh, actually, there was an issue of child labor in the United States for some years, correct? Yes, there was. And we eliminated it, thank God. And but we, what happened is, let me put it this way: I want to be honest about it, Neil. That they, the solution to ch cheap child labor was outsourcing. The right. countries like Bangladesh, like China, let's get it straight: who they got working for them? Kids, peasants. No pay people, right? Exactly. Do you think they have children working for them? Yes. So that was the solution for corporate America of the issue of child labor. 
push it out of the country, go somewhere else we can get where we don't have to pay anybody, right? Right. So I, I, um, I think uh, Marx was right in this sense that I'm not in favor of economic inequality. I'm really not. Uh, I think some sort of equalization of wealth, educational opportunities, and medical and medical help is desirable. But do you think it, it can be financed? I, I, I no, I don't. I mean, I, I don't think it could be financed. Do you? Okay. I think it's desirable. That's why I say communism had its desirable aspects as an idea. It tried to eliminate classes. I think I'm not for class differences. I think they're false. I look at people as human beings, not in their class. I'm sorry, I don't see it, you know? I think people are human beings. I think they have their faults and their deficits and negatives and positives, but I don't think they, that putting them in a class is the solution. Also class is basically, it is a mistake because it is simply based on wealth, correct? Yes, correct. And should we, should we elevate people who have wealth and call them class, class and, and make them a class? I just think they're, everybody, they have a little more money than you and me, but that's all, correct? Yes, for sure. So that's my last word on this. Uh, would you like to add something to it? No, I mean, I just, I mean, I think that it's impossible to do a Marx type system because nothing's fair in life and society and everyone's trying to get over and everyone's trying to compete and everyone's trying to go on top of somebody. And then there'll always be someone in power that wants more power. And there you go. That is the issue. That's why Marxism failed and why a lot of system fails because the people I think that seek and get power are not the best people. That's my exactly. Problem. All right. So that's a point. So again, go to com for more information. Check out Andrew Shack in all different places. And uh, Andrew, next week again. And then your books we'll are all talk more about there. Marx next week. And, and a little more detail. And your books, your podcast, everything's show. available there, right? We'll all talk on the video show about the money culture. All right. Sounds good, Andrew. All right, take care. All right, bye. bye.